0: Welcome back to Dakar Rally Daily. I'm Jesse Ziegler. And I'm Quinn Cody. And it's the rest day, so everybody can just stop listening because there's absolutely nothing going on in the Dakar world today. Everybody's sleeping and hanging out at the beach, and nothing exciting's going yeah, on. No racing happened today. That's the big news. That's about all that didn't happen today was these guys didn't suit up. I'm joking, of course. These guys are on the gas all the time. They're not racing today, but they're not exactly relaxing. Yeah. I mean,
1: today's rest, recovery, but the top guys have to deal with interviews. They have to deal with, you know, just kind of organizing their stuff after yep. six days of racing.
0: Yeah. There's big media teams that follow these guys around for their race team and their sponsors and all that kind of stuff. And they all want a piece of the action. As do we. We're yeah. guil- guilty
1: as charged yeah, we over are, here. We are guilty. And, you know, we've been bugging them and, you know, it's, it's going to keep know, happening. Doing it, for,
0: doing it for the listeners going to keep happening it's their fault that they gave us their phone numbers and their whatsapp contact info it's not my fault yeah but you know
1: it and a big thing they need to do is they need to make sure they have all their gear in order everything organized put away because stuff kind of starts to get to be a shambles uh you know in their motorhomes in their trucks after after six days of getting up at four in the morning and riding all day and you know so they want to go into week two fresh gear fresh
0: you know, have all their food set up, everything dialed in, goggles. I can't imagine doing that. I can barely get to the track or a ride day without forgetting my helmet. Remember that time we went on that ride and I forgot a helmet? Yeah, yeah. And I had to get on the phone mm-hmm. and have somebody pick have up a helmet on their way. Helmet. So yeah. I wore a street bike helmet up in the desert all day. That's right. That's right. I remember that. I would be borrowing helmets in the bivouac if I was out there this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, hey, guys, small yeah. detail. I forgot my helmet. Yeah, I still haven't opened my gear bag from the last time I went riding Yeah, exactly. We've all we've all sitting in the garage. We've all prepped a ride and just done that bonehead move where you forget something, and these guys have, you know, a lot of stuff they have to organize today for the second half of the rally, which, you know, is kind of like more than half of the rally left, which is bananas to me, because I don't know. I I I'm blown away by the scale of this race every day. And I understand it every day, and then I kind of forget and get complacent, and then it comes back to me and it is just immense so so far they've raced 2271
1: kilometers which is like 1400 miles yeah and that's that's only on the clock
0: that's That's, just the race time that's that's not not a highway commute to the race start that's not cruising back to the pits after the clock stops yeah we didn't
1: we haven't tallied up the actual like liaison time that'd be something interesting to do but their total race time has been over 24 hours of racing in in six days so Massive amount of time on the bike. Um, Average speed of the leader at this rally so far to this point has been 94 kilometers per hour. So relatively,
0: really high speed, actually. Uh, That's 58 mile an hour. Almost 60 miles an hour average speed during race on the clock, which is, yeah, yeah. We, We know how fast that is now, but if this is your first show you ever listened to, we'll give you two stats really quick. Vegas to Reno, fastest race in North America, you might average sixty miles an hour.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're
0: winning, if you're winning terreno. the race. Um, Baja One Thousand is a little different story because the terrain and the course changes a ton every year. But you're also stopping pits, switching guys, that kind of stuff. Generally, average yeah. hauling ass is in the fifties. Yeah, fifty four, fifty five would be a would be a winning time at the Baja One Thousand, yep. depending
1: on you know the race
0: course. Yep. So these guys aren't riding a thousand miles every day solo, but they're riding. 283 miles at 80 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour, not 80 miles an hour, 80K an hour, 90K an hour. So 60, 70 miles an hour is not uncommon this year. And that's crazy. Yeah. Through I mean, the gnarly gnarly terrain. They're not on roads. They're not on trails most of the time. We saw Joe on I I forget which stage that was, but he averaged 75 mile an hour for the stage. So
1: yeah. uh, it just kind of puts it into perspective how high speed the train is in Saudi and- how these guys are trying to navigate and ride at these speeds it, it it's really incredible what what they're doing and you know the level of the sport right now
0: yeah if uh if you're just catching us and you're just discovering our little podcast you can go back we got um 12 shows in the past we got 14 total shows now but we have uh three or four really cool interviews you can go check out but um if you're just geeking out about the race data um go back and just recap our race staged recaps from each stage and we give you all those data points and we even talk to the racers about their input into those stats and a lot of them are really really surprised this year that a navigation is tripping them up and b they're still hauling ass yeah for sure i mean and and that's the thing you know we've seen the the
1: speed differential and the time differential between the guy that's leading out the stage the guy that's opening so basically he's doing all the work all the yeah. navigation the guys who come behind they they still have to stay on the roadbook yep. but they're not doing the hard work they have tracks to follow so it's confirmed for them already so we're seeing the guys that are coming from you know 20th place and are just riding flat out following tracks and and making up huge time gaps each day
0: yeah it's really flipped the script on a lot of people's planning for this um, rally and their strategy, and we've heard it from Johnny Campbell. Uh, they made a big play with Ricky Brabec, um, and it didn't work out totally to their plan. And now Ricky's in a spot, and the the whole thing shook up again. And now it sounds looks like you know those strategies are kind of out of the window again, and they're back to just straight conserve time loss, maximize time gain. That's what Jordy told us yesterday. Jordy Villadoms from the KTM team.
1: Yeah. So this year, the ASO has done something that they've never really done before, and it's they've thrown in really difficult navigation, but with with yep. high speeds over sandy terrain, and and no one anticipated that it was going to be this this kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. So they look brilliant. Everyone's right
1: strategy went out the window mm-hmm. on basically day one. Yeah. And you know they had to try to adapt to this like. Crazy time loss, crazy time gain. You know, you anticipate that a little bit on one or two stages, but
0: you don't anticipate that on six stages. Yeah. Halfway, yeah. halfway through the rally on the stage count. Um, not quite halfway through the rally on distance. Yep. Still have a, a ton of racing left. and Not you know, easy racing coming up. We're yeah. getting into the most technical terrain, um, the most demanding terrain, a lot of people assume. Yep. Um, it's gonna So to be, it's, going to,
1: it's going to start going into the northern part of the country, so the weather's going to get colder. They're going to get up in the mountains. There's going to be yep. a lot more rock, a little more technical. Um, but I think what what's wild is even with these crazy time swings, we're seeing the top 10 motorcycles are
0: within 15 minutes of each other. That is remarkable because <clears throat> we're talking 30 minutes were lost and gained on stage, stages in the early part of this race. So to group everybody up, somehow at this point to be within this much, I mean, this small of a time gap. And yeah. again, the ASO just looks brilliant right now. They've made this race, um, yeah, for, drama for like, the
1: motorcycles, especially they have yeah. really, really mixed it up. And the race
0: drama has been just like really, really, really engaging this year. We're just glued to it because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, every day. Um,
1: and I think you know uh, one of the one of the big dramas of the of the first week was uh, Andrew Short for sure going it's, going out on what was that stage two um, stage it all three blends, it's all it blends together, together. but we'll, we'll catch up to that Andrew Andrew got a uh,
0: tank full of water at one of the organization refueling stations how many liters of fuel does a rally bike hold generally. Would Normally, you say those they are? They're, they're about 28 liters of fuel. Okay. So Andrew's camp and the Yamaha team, and we've got some other contacts in Europe that have confirmed these numbers, is that almost four liters of his fuel tank was water.
1: Yeah. So that's a lot. Think about that. I mean, that's nearly a gallon of water. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And how does, that,
0: how does that water behave in a fuel tank, and how does it affect it? It doesn't mix in because, you know, it's oil and water. So the oil is going to sit on top, so the gas is on top of the water. The water sinks to the bottom of the tank where your fuel pump is. Yep. So water is heavier
1: than, than gas, we yep. all know. So the water settles to the bottom, and the fuel pump is is basically submerged in water. Yep. Um, it doesn't like that. You know, modern four-strokes with, uh, with fuel injection will will run— on, with quite a bit of water in the tank. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive how much... I mean, I've, I've had a... What kind of crappy gas you can run through those fuel things. And yeah, in the, yeah. the four-strokes, as long as it doesn't have a carburetor, it'll, the fuel injectors will pump through a lot of water and it'll burn, it'll burn off. Sure, if it gets into the... But I think if you completely... Uh, clearly, if you completely submerge the yes. fuel pump in water so it's not getting any
0: fuel at all, the bike's not going to run at all. Out of no... Uh- No fault of his own. He went to the certified fuel station. These guys don't have a choice. They pull into a fuel tank. That's a fuel pump hooked to a big gas truck. Everybody gets it from the same area and he got screwed. Basically, he went to pick up gas. They put gas in his bike and it had a ton of water in it. Yeah. That's that's the only way it could have happened. Yeah. That's the way it it clearly looks like it happened. It's not like somebody was walking by with a bottle of water and dumped it in when he wasn't looking. Right. (laughs) That would be strange. (laughs) they must
1: have sucked his fuel off the bottom of the, the tank or they must have been changing,
0: changing lines or tanks something.
1: or lines or something and had, had water in it because I, a few other guys got water. So yeah, I was going to say was he wasn't the only
0: one. Um, Toby was reporting big uh, issues with just his rear tank um, and yeah. wasn't, so, wasn't driving fuel up to the bike. And uh, we confirmed that with the the KTM team.
1: Yeah, from from what I understand is a few of the KTM bikes had some water in the tanks and yep. a few other uh, other riders had water, but it wasn't as much as what Andrew got. So he was yeah. the only one who really completely got knocked out of the rally. Yep.
0: He didn't his team didn't go down without a fight. They put up a formal request for him to re-enter the race. Um whatever process that involves, I'm sure it's a lot of sitting in front of the ASO and chatting yep. with them about it and showing the evidence they have and saying, "Hey, why can't can't we get back in this?" Oh. And you know that that's going to go to the jury
1: for the jury to decide and sure. you know the ASO as an organization has a really difficult decision there because yeah. In order to let a guy back in the race, you basically have to stop the race time before he at the point of the problem. At the, yeah, at, the, last, known the last known time. last known time. So they would have had to stop the race time at the Second waypoint
0: or something. Well, or something
1: yeah, was. wherever that fuel stop was. Yeah, so way early in the stage, that would have neutralized the last half of the stage. Then the guys that made time that did well would have you know lost that advantage. They would have been complaining. Um, I mean, there would have been protests everywhere, tons of drama. Yep. So for them, they decided that the easiest route was just to sacrifice Andrew and say, "Yep, eh, it only happened to one guy. There's only one guy that couldn't Too get bad.
0: going. Everybody else made it through." Yep. Bad luck. This is Dakar. That's it's harsh. basically what they said. We, we know it's a harsh world out there, but that is just a gut punch um, to the Yamaha team, to Andrew Short personally, and the amount of investment that these yeah. people make into these teams and I mean, these Andrew's companies make into in, these efforts is
1: huge. Yeah. The amount of hours that Andrew spent and money invested in training this year yeah. is is, you know.
0: And that's yeah, not all subsidized by his race team. Andrew invests a lot of his own money into yeah. his program every year. And he's a he's a professional. This is his full-time job. And yeah, he his, just got told to go home from work.
1: For sure. His team isn't paying Jimmy Lewis to go and make road books and, and right. help train him. And they're not paying for his, Travel his fuel and his flights and stuff to go to out to prompt. I mean, Andrew's paying for that out of his own pocket Yep, because he wants to— Give the best performance possible.
0: Yeah, and he was he was uh, he was on his way. Unfortunately, we won't get to see how he performs this year. But there are um, a lot of people that are performing incredibly well this year. Um, highlights.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can run through the top ten. I highlights
0: think. in the top ten. Yeah,
1: no, just, just general classification after six days on the you know six days of
0: racing somebody who's been brutally honest about the challenge of this year and just honestly being blown away by the surprise of navigation and s- speed toby price who's leading the ch- leading the uh, overall classification right now this guy's been you know he lost 32 minutes after stage 2 yeah cuz he finished 28th place he went down 32 minutes next day he wins next day after that he finishes 22nd on stage 4 next day after that he gets third <laughs> stage 5 and then, then we saw a bit of a shift, and this is where you'll see a lot of the guys from five to six. Those gaps stopped going from you know twenty-five pa- uh, positions apart to three or four. Yeah, and I mean, he went from third in stage five to seventh in stage six. It seems like a normalization trend is beginning in our results, but these guys, these guys don't necessarily feel that way out
1: on the course. I mean, that was kind of the the decisive stage, I guess, for Toby at this point would have been stage six where yep. he he started third and he was able to finish seventh. Yeah. Which means that his time loss was, was pretty minimal and that yes. put him in the overall lead. Yeah. And, you know, you're not going to be leading the rally if you're finishing first one day and 28th the next.
0: Yeah. This uh, sort of virtual running uh, ranking is fun to watch because it, it it tells you where people are but at halfway point in the race it doesn't really mean a a whole lot if you look at time gaps because it really comes down to how much time available to run away from people or to catch people and if you start looking at the top 10 we're 15 minutes total gap between all of these guys which yeah. this year's like you can make that up this year
1: i mean that's that's one note in the
0: road book. Yeah. So one mistake, yeah. 15 minutes, easy. These guys are definitely all on the same lap, to put it into a, another analogy, but they're, they're almost all in the same corner.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Literally>, <laughs> on the track. Literally top 10 are in the same corner
0: yeah. of the race. Yeah. This is, yeah, the 12-day it's race and they're still in the through. same corner. Right. Yeah. So uh, Toby's, Toby's coming along really good. Um, he's, he's really fun to listen to and really fun to talk to. Um, we hope we can get some more insight from him about you know how fast everybody's going because he's a guy that has gone as fast as anybody in the world on a dirt bike, but he's been blown away by the pace people in front of him are putting out there and the pace overall of the race. So, yep. Toby's crushing it. Another fast guy up then, right behind him who's been really impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean Kevin Benavidez sitting in second. He's just he's just two minutes and sixteen seconds back, um, and real close with a two minute penalty. So, right. somewhere along the line, he got a two minute speeding penalty. So, in reality, if you erase that speeding penalty, 16 he's 16 seconds. 16 seconds
0: separating Toby Price and on Kevin Benavides. On 100% scratch time. Yep. There's 16 seconds between those guys. And he did this. He's on the same pendulum swing as Toby, essentially. So, he started out the race second overall in stage one. Toby won that stage. Yep. So, then he dropped down to 24th. Monster Energy Haunted Team Rider. Forgot to mention that. Yes, of course. Um, Kevin Benavides. You've seen him out there doing crazy stuff. Then he went up to second in stage three. Went down to 14th in stage four. One stage five flying and crashing and breaking his nose and severely spraining his ankle. And still won that brutal stage five, which everybody said. Was probably the hardest of the rally.
1: Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a beast, and you know you see yeah. you can see pictures of him after the stage, and his face, his nose is all bandaged up, or his you know. And I saw yep. a photo of him without the bandage on; his nose is all crooked and doesn't look good. And,
0: uh, <laughs> he got he got punched in the head by his you know Monster Energy Honda Racing Rally Bike Tower. Yeah, so you
1: know, and and that's one of the things we talked about with with Ricky in the beginning. Is you know. Okay, they're running the airbag vests, and yeah. you know what half for safety. But what happens when you just smack your face on the tower or hit your yeah. chest on the tower? And it would be interesting to to see if his airbag had deployed or not. I yeah. I don't know if we'll be able to get an answer to that. But there have
0: been a couple of them went off. I saw David Knight, you know, mm-hmm. multi-time enduro champion, was talking to the InMotion team on social media, and he described he went down and it went off, and he was you know shocked at yeah. how how Quickly, it went off, and what the experience was like. So, definitely a work in progress there, and we're going to see more of those happening as that becomes the the norm. Um, but man, Benavides really—he he's been one of the guys that's really impressed Toby. You know, and when you're impressing Toby Price on top of the ranking, you know you're riding well. Um, but we've all known Kevin is really fast, and you know he's proving that he can also lead and navigate, and he's in serious contention for this win, and really setting up that monster energy Honda team to have another stellar year out here.
1: Yeah. So, you know, speaking of the monster energy Honda team, we have third,
0: third place in the general. Yeah. Nacho Cornejo. Jose Ignacio Cornejo Florimo. It's the most fun name to read and say in all of rally. Yeah. And
1: and Nacho's a super fun guy. We heard a little sound clip from him. Yeah. Again, he's been doing a great job navigating. He's he's been able to kind of ride at the front and not yes. lose not lose massive time. And I think he's the one that helped Toby get through that
0: stage that stage six. Yeah. That, Toby's called yeah. him out as a dark horse winner for the event behind Toby. And yep. then he um, also so, is one of the most consistent racers this year. He's been the fastest. On a lot of stages leading out a lot of stages and he has not had as dramatic a time swings every day as the other two guys yep
1: very very consistent so he's he's only two minutes 57 seconds off the lead
0: no penalties for nacho yep so, so he's gone 16 5 10 7 2 11 on stage finishes all day
1: yep and yep. uh i think you know he's he's going to be one that that is going to be a, a contender when we get to the for end sure. it's it's it, you know it's anyone's game at this point it's really hard to say what's going to happen and like i said one Talk note
0: one note yeah it's all it takes one note it's all it takes speaking of one note apart ross branch and xavier desoltre they are absolutely tied 100 percent tied at three minutes 41 seconds back tied for fourth place
1: yep ross branch on the monster energy yamaha team top yamaha guy and he's uh, he's been doing a great job this year. He's been he's been relatively consistent and just kind of kept you know kept things rolling. He's got a he's got a minute penalty, um, probably again a speed penalty somewhere.
0: Yeah, those guys are going to be really fun to watch. That's kind of like the battle in the battle I'm seeing, and they're in a really good spot for overall yeah. contention.
1: And I- Xavier on the on the HT Rally Raid Husqvarna team. Yep is, you know, they're they're tied. He's been one of the most consistent guys. He was actually leading the rally
0: in the general classification for a day. And he could be the French, you know, the pride of France. If he can pull this victory off, they can bring that victory of their own race. This is really a French race. And to bring right. that home, I mean, he would be a hero. He definitely would be a hero. He'd bring it back after Cyril Dupree, who had a, just a massive run along with your friend Mark Coma, trading wins for so long. And he was, you know, this is, this is why the French do this. They're very passionate about this race and they really want to see one of their own on top, just like tour de France style. Yeah. Like they, they love it when the French win as we would, if it was an American race.
1: Sure. And the French went a long time without winning the tour de France. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. I think the Americans
0: pissed them off for a while there and, yeah, you know, do that that's sometimes. Their, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, our, one of our most consistent sleepers, not a sleeper, one of our most consistent top contenders, Sam Sunderland is in sixth place overall. He's only yep. you know, he's mm. Red Bull Factory
1: KTM yep. team rider.
0: He's former Four winner in two thousand seventeen overall winner. And, and he and raced a very similar race in two thousand seventeen when he won. He wasn't pushing that top spot of every other stage. He wasn't going for those stage wins, it didn't seem. And he pulls off a win. He ends up winning one stage that year, I think.
1: Yeah, he's and pulled off a win. And then you know, at this point, one stage win can can win you this rally and He's, he's been a super consistent guy, just, you know, and, and this is by design. Sam's He's a strategist for sure. He's the guy that is going to calculate out every stage. He's going to look and see where he needs to finish to do well the next day. Um, he puts a lot of time and effort into, into strategy. And, you know, I, I just know this from knowing him
0: personally. So I think this is definitely by design. He's not messing around. Yeah. Funny that he is sitting right in front of Joan Bareda, who has the one hundred percent opposite strategy to rally racing. Joan's is win every stage I can, go as fast as I can every stage. Strategy is not to play games. It's to go fast. And he's got twenty seven stage wins now. He's yeah. got three stage wins this year.
1: Again, I mean we talked about it early on. He's he's been that's his strategy his entire career. And- yeah. You know he's got him a lot of stage wins, but it's never it's never got him on the podium at Dakar. And yeah, you know Jimmy Lewis said it at, at one point. And he, he's just waiting for him to to get lucky, to yeah. have a lucky break, because you would think that you know as as good as he is, and he's become a good navigator now too. Yeah, he should he should win one of these things.
0: This could be his year it's, if if he holds it all together. <laughs>
1: Very possible, but he's hanging you know, it out there. I mean, going into the marathon stage,
0: he's—I uh, believe—he's going to be leading out.
1: In he the is marathon stage, yep. and
0: he you won know. again yesterday, and he's going to be leading out going into the yep. So going to the Deseronto his own,
1: basically. Beretta winning every other day. And, <laughs> it is.
0: Uh, <laughs> it is. He's won every other day. So
1: yeah, well, it's we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out for him.
0: It's interesting, man. He is—he is the wild card out there for me. He's just. He's going to be setting the fastest time every day he can. Um, right behind him in eighth place, Lorenzo Santalino bringing in a Shirko into the top ten, which is exciting to see. You know he is. This is where the time gap jumps. It doubles. Yeah. Uh, up to thirteen minutes. Um, John's okay. six minutes twenty-five seconds behind Lorenzo on the Sherko is thirteen minutes forty-six seconds behind, and then uh, our boy Skyler. House still sitting in their ninth place he's been in ninth place a lot this year he's 15 minutes out um yeah he's got a lot of potential he's so he's sitting 15 minutes out
1: with a six minute penalty Ooh. so that would that would put him up that knocks him two spots one up. one position yeah right he'd be um, yeah you know so but that's that's pretty big on the clock yeah. so skyler's writing for the the bas dakar KTM Probably racing team, KTM team. Yep. Um, this is like a KTM satellite support team, so they get a little bit of support from sure. KTM. You know, he's he's on good bikes, good suspension,
0: good engines. He's got a lot of people watching him too now. I think yep. he's been uh, riding such a mature, smart, fast race that I think he's getting a lot of attention out there from the big guys.
1: Yeah, I, I you know I've heard from some friends of mine over in Austria that you know like. Who is the Who is this American guy? Who's this Skylar guy? Yeah, does he
0: Does he ride for you
1: guys? Does what? what who is this guy? So,
0: could be uh, some good stuff coming up for him. You know, if, if
1: Skyler can hold it together, he could have a,
0: a really good future in in rally racing. He's just got that one mistake, that one speeding mistake, but that's okay. Yep, didn't that, break the bike, just broke the speed limit.
1: It happens. We'll see. I'm sure at the end of the rally, he's going to be.
0: Thinking about that, and going hmm, <laughs> six if more I minutes. I only
1: didn't make that one mistake, oh, that six geez. minutes, where could I have finished?
0: Oh man, uh, Pablo Quintanilla, who world rally champion, he's a decent track record on the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna Factory Racing team. He's in tenth place. Yep, I and mean, Pablo he's, has always impressed me with his his consistency, and yeah,
1: you know, he's a he's again a solid contender, good navigator. Yep, and it's going to be really
0: interesting to see how he does going in the second week and he brings in the the you know the, the last factory team to the puzzle to the top 10 there with that rockstar energy husqvarna team his his teammates right behind him outside the top 10 luciano benavides then we have daniel sanders the ktm rookie he's dominating the rookie class because he's in 12th place overall 18 minutes behind 12th place then our boy ricky Braybeck He's sitting just about twenty minutes out in thirteenth place. Lucky thirteen for Ricky going into marathon stages.
1: Right, you know, twenty minutes sounds like a lot of time, but in in this race, normally it would be kind of yeah, it's kind of not much this year. And you know, we're moving north, like I said before, and yep. it's getting into the more rocky sand washes, technical terrain, and this is kind of the stuff that's a lot more
0: similar to California. Yeah. And that's where we saw Ricky take the lead last year. So you think he's feeling pretty good about the next few days?
1: I'm feeling pretty good about Ricky's chances for, uh, you know, a good second
0: half of the race. I really am. And
1: I think, you know,
0: I'm, I'm excited to see what happens this, this second week. Remember, everybody, it's not, it's halfway over in stages, but more than half the miles in kilometers still need to be raced. So I think we should call Ricky Brayback today. Let's see if we can get him on the on the lines. Just a rest day. What could he possibly be doing today? Yeah, we'll try
1: not to bug him too much. All right. Getting a call from Saudi Arabia. All right, let's try this again. Pretty good. All What's right. up, Ricky? We're all good, man. How are you feeling?
2: Oh, we're just getting ready for uh, for bedtime tonight. We got some food going, and uh, just a busy day of resting. You know, I guess. Yeah,
1: for sure, man. That's it. Seems like it uh, goes by way too quick, huh? Not a lot of resting.
2: Yeah, it goes by way too fast. With way too many interviews and lots of things going on, but uh, it is nice to get a day off. You know, we get we get a fresh motorcycle the next day, and we get you know a couple more hours of sleep and uh, rest for the eyeballs.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll try to make this as quick as we can, so we don't take too much of your time away. Because I, I know how gnarly it is.
0: Let's talk quickly just about how you're feeling physically. you got to be, uh, you know, happy to not be racing today maybe, but how do you feel, like, physically?
3: Oh, physically I
2: feel great. Um, you know, Kendall's here helping us uh, stay hydrated and, you know, keeping all the nutrition levels pretty high. And uh, I, I think, you know, Nacho and I are actually probably the better ones in the whole whack you know. We're not sore at all, and um, we're really focused on the following days.
0: That's good. You guys kept it off the ground too, so I think that's probably key to your feeling good.
2: Yeah, that's that, that's uh, you know the, the first key to Dakar is staying off the ground, obviously, and, and trying to deliver a straight motorcycle to a mechanic to make our job as easy as possible. You know.
1: Yeah, I think we're just kind of asking how uh, you know how your how you think it's going to play out this next week, like as far as these big time swings. You think we're going to tighten things up, um, and kind of what's your what's your strategy coming in?
2: Yeah, next week is um obviously we're going into the same territory where uh, I really improved last year. Um I don't really have a strategy right now. Obviously, uh we all know we have to make up a little bit of time, but you know, the red book and the race has been pretty wild, so things are flip flopping, you know, almost every every day or every free field stop and uh we're just hoping to keep bike off the ground and keep moving forward and hoping you know to make up a little bit of time to jump ourselves back into the top 10 and hopefully around the podium area would be great
1: yeah yeah for sure now i mean i think you guys are sitting in it still you know the, the, as crazy as this race has been you're sitting in a pretty good position um do you guys do you have any idea what uh the marathon stage is going to look like tomorrow as far as like where you guys are staying are they putting you guys up in a bunkhouse or you know Sleeping in tents.
2: Yeah, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. We heard that there's like um, the first 100 kilometers of pretty big sand dunes. And then um, some fast sandy tracks. And then at the end of the special, it's going to turn into uh, more or less hard pack with some rocks. And then um, as far as sleeping arrangements, uh, we were going to bunk up. But then we just kind of heard through the grapevine that they were going to allow motorhomes to go there because they don't want everyone bunked up, you know, because of this COVID uh, protocol. So, um, we're not 100% sure on that just yet. But, um, yeah, as of now, the only thing we really know is we're bunking up and we're going to sleep in the building of smelly guys
0: What's oh, that sounds
2: interesting, yeah, that sounds
0: terrible. What's the uh, work situation when you roll in and you get a certain amount of time to work on your bike, or is it sort of an unlimited time, just a restricted area?
2: Uh, the work situation is pretty tough this year, obviously. Um, they put the cars in a different park for May than the bikes, so you can't really give any parts to a car. Um, and once once you get in park for May, you can't, you can't leave Park for May. And then come back in, you know, so you can't basically walk in and out of parkway. You only get one shot to be in there okay. and work on your equipment. And once, yeah, once you leave, that's it. So, uh, so interesting.
1: Yeah. So they're trying to keep you in there.
0: One way door. Once you leave the, where you park your bike, where it rests for the night, you can't go back in and see it. Yep.
1: Cool. Well, yeah, man, we, uh, we wish you the best of luck. Everybody back here is, is rooting for you. And, you know, we don't want to take too much of your time. So uh, Yep. For I mean, sure. We're going to let you go, but, um, yeah, we really appreciate you getting on the phone with us and, you know, get some rest, and, you know, hopefully
0: we we talk to you at the end of this thing. Yeah, good luck, Ricky. Thank you again.
2: Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, Tomorrow morning, we got a a 3.20 a.m. wake-up call, and uh, it's going to be a cold one. So, um, yeah, we hope to talk to you guys later, and thank you guys for checking in, and hope everyone at home is enjoying.
0: All right. Stay strong out there, buddy.
2: All right. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: Later. I can't believe we actually got him on the phone today. Um, I can sense in his voice that he is not resting today.
1: No, I, you know, I feel bad even, even calling him, but you know, there's a lot of people that want to hear from him back here in the States and and really all around the world.
0: Yeah. He is, um, you know, defending champion of this race. The first American to do it. The first Honda to do it since the eighties and, you know he's he's talking like a champion. He's uh he's playing a little coy on his uh strategy. Sounds like he doesn't have much of a strategy. He's just you know pinning it and I, keeping you know, it keeping it safe.
1: I think strategy kind of went out the window on this race the first first couple of days and yeah you know unless you've been a consistent guy like Sunderland then you know it's you just have to race every day and and wait for wait for a mistake from someone else.
0: Yeah, gain the time. He obviously they did. One day of real strategic maneuvers where he held up, lost ten minutes that day, went back the next day, and then, you know, really just got lost. Yeah. Had a couple tough days. Just trying to kind of put an
1: end to the to the pendulum swing. But yep. it seems like that's that's the theme of the of the race this year. It really
0: is. Um it's kind of some, some interesting stuff there about the uh about the marathon stage too. Yeah, that's that's something we should really get into because um these guys have been uh coming back to the pits. Through their factory rig, um, mechanic tears the bike down, checks out the things, really sort of like resets every day. And that's not going to happen tomorrow night.
1: No, no. You know, so they have to put their bike into a, a park for um, yeah. which is an impound, basically.
0: Yep. Be a fenced off area away from all the cars, which is something I didn't know. Uh, it was cool. Ricky gave us that insight. That yeah. you, the bikes are basically segregated into their own section. You roll in. What do you do? Like you break out your toolkit? Yeah, so it sounds
1: like you can probably
0: put the bike in,
1: then maybe go out, get something to eat, change your clothes, relax, whatever, and then you're only allowed to go back into the park for May one time.
0: Right. So So when you start working on your bike that is the time that you have to stay there and finish working on your bike. Yeah.
1: Unless you want to sleep in there and work on your
0: bike all night. But Yeah, and the sleeping arrangements sound Confusing. Maybe, yeah, a, confusing maybe they're going to be enough even more confusing they're going to be in a warehouse
1: I wonder about this Is a little a
0: container dropped in the desert with yeah. some bunk beds or they're going to let the motorhomes roll in yeah because so of covid
1: really what they're doing by not allowing guys to go in and out of the park for me is they don't want you to be able to go out get, parts. get some parts and then walk back in and yep. fix your bike or go out and get you know get on the phone whatever you know they yeah They want, they're trying to limit the amount of service you can do on the marathon, which I I think is a good thing. You know, it's, it's bringing it back to the the spirit of Dakar.
0: Yep. There will be Um, no tire changes going on in there. There will be no, I mean, if you have a tire issue on stage seven, your race is over.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's ways around it, but it,
0: it's it's going to be a huge penalty. It's it's going to be, be, it's going to be a massive amount of time lost, even getting to the point where you can incur a penalty. So it's going to be, it's going to be so, tough to get on the podium if you have a tire issue. In so the thing,
1: seven. the thing that I maybe could be pretty controversial is if they bring motorhomes into the, into the marathon bivouac. And right. that's something, that's the first I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe some of the team factory teams are petitioning for this on the basis of COVID. Yep. Using that uh, to their advantage. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair. Doesn't sound fair. No, because Skylar where, doesn't yeah. have a motorhome.
0: Skylar doesn't have a motorhome.
1: Are they gonna let him bring a service truck so he can sleep in his service
0: truck? Yeah, because that has some good parts in it. Yeah,
1: like how does that go? What's they can't throw a you know subframe into the back of the motorhome and some spare parts. <laughs> yeah, right. Then maybe the the guy who's driving the motorhome's there and he's cooking dinner and he's also a know, mechanic. That. So either have a marathon stage or don't.
0: Right. It does seem. I mean, the challenges of this year is is logistically gnarly with the COVID restrictions, that stuff, but they're in a bubble. They're traveling around. They're not getting a lot of visitors. So
1: yeah, man, I don't Bunk know. It up. I, or get
0: a tent. It's yeah. It's interesting. And
1: in, yeah, maybe if they don't want to be with other guys, just give them a tent, let them sleep out on the, uh, you know, on the desert. Sounds
0: know. like, uh, the call time tomorrow is brutal and early. Ricky said something like three forty-five or three thirty in the morning call time freezing cold like you said they're getting in the northern part of the country Eesh. yeah that's rough and
1: you know that that's the other thing is is we've seen some weather i mean yeah you're in saudi arabia it's rained like three days there yeah how do i mean that's doesn't I don't, it rains I mean, three, three days I there saudi arabia, but I,
0: I don't think it rains much there it doesn't look like it rains much there skyler said he's been riding in wet sand dunes yep for which sure. sounds awesome for sure a so, um, uh,
1: long, long, cold liaison tomorrow, then a long, tough stage. And, yeah, uh,
0: another 453-kilometer-long special test tomorrow. Yep. So, so it's not like they're dropping in 100-mile specials here. You know, this is 300 miles almost.
1: Yeah, and 250. You know, they're, they're going to be starting with, with fresh equipment, which is good. So the teams will... I literally start tearing the bike down the second they finish stage six and they get back into the, into the pits. Those bikes are freshened stripping them. Yeah. They're stripping them and you know, they have the whole day. Basically they rebuild the bike from the ground up aside from the engine and yeah. the piston. I don't know. Maybe they, they go in and they check the valves. They do valve adjustment. Um, yeah. I, I think some of the teams are running data on the bike. So they've been monitoring and, of keeping an eye on, and they can see if uh, if an engine's not looking good. They can they can see it in the
0: data. And these really are the Formula One of dirt bikes. That's yeah. that's pretty advanced. And I guess the only thing that does get a rest on the rest day is the motorcycle. It gets the full treatment. It gets stripped down. It gets massaged. Bearings are replaced. I'm sure if they're worn out. Yeah, the, um, the
1: mechanics definitely it's a work day for them. Yeah, they're, they're not getting a rest they're hammering day. Hammering through, and really the the marathon
0: stage is the rest
1: day for the mechanics. Right, that's really the only day that they don't have to do their job
0: all night long. Yeah, so um, I'd love to get into mechanics details on what they're doing on the rest day um, because I've seen some images of these bikes that just you know they're just the frame. Like, yeah, what are they? What are their responsibilities? Does I mean, how long does it take? to tear that bike apart and put it back together. These aren't, you know, two stroke motocross bikes. They're complicated.
1: No, I mean, they, you know, they strip these things down to the frame and they have, you know, multiple fuel tanks and tons of wiring and yeah, that's a big, heavy bike. And, but these guys are the best in the world and you know, they're such good mechanics and that's, that's what they do every day of their lives. So for them to, to, you know, it might sound intimidating to, to tear a bike down, build it back up and send it out without much of a shakedown. But yeah, these guys are good and, you know, they're pretty pretty much guaranteed they're gonna do a solid job. Well, I think we have somebody that we can
0: ask these questions to.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna try to get my my old buddy uh Stefan Huber, who's the technical director for KTM rally team. We're gonna try to get him on the phone here and see if we can, you know, get some insight into what they're doing to the bikes, you know, how the bikes are holding up how the tires are holding up, just see see what we can, we'll pepper them with questions and see what we can get out of them.
0: It's man and machine out here at the Dakar Rally, and they are equally important to this equation. And I think this will give us some insight into how the machines are faring during this incredibly fast, wacky, unpredictable race. Let's call him. Let's give him a ring. These guys are going to regret giving us their phone numbers. I'm telling you, make the call.
3: Yeah,
0: hello, Stefan.
3: How hey, are you? how are you?
0: I'm doing well. Hey, good. Stefan, it's Jesse here. How are you?
3: Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. you.
0: Thanks for uh, thanks for letting us bother you on a busy day for you and your team.
3: Ah, uh, easy day. <laughs> easy, easy day, <laughs> easy day no, no. right? You guys <laughs> all had, good. All good.
1: You guys had yeah. the bikes done last night, right?
3: No, 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 no chance. Seven bikes is not so easy. Seven bikes. do it in one afternoon.
0: All right, right. Stefan, for uh, everybody listening um, at home, can you give us, give us a rundown on what you do for the team and what your uh, role is there?
3: Uh, I'm technical manager and, uh, you know, doing development on the bike and also coordinating the team a little bit at the race. So uh, telling the people what to do, sending them to the right places. So, yeah. Gotcha. Quite something to do.
2: Okay,
0: technical manager, Red Bull KTM Factory Racing. Yep, big that's, job. That's a big job.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you have seven bikes and, under your care. Yeah. You've uh, you've been to Dakar a few times too, huh?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like since 2001, I'm there.
1: <laughs> okay. So this is your so twentieth Dakar or 19? Yeah,
3: more or less. No, yeah. 19, not, 19. Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. O- almost 20. Wow. Okay. Very and cool.
1: he's not even a, that old of a guy either. You've been working for KTM since you were quite young, huh?
3: Yeah, I'm 43 now, so start quite early there. <laughs> so yeah,
1: very very cool. very cool. Good
3: fun there.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. I've known Stefan since uh, I think 2005. He was a he was still a pretty young guy and uh, came to the US for to race uh, Vegas to Reno. Oh, very the, cool. Uh, yeah, he helped on the uh, five. Ninety-five, oh, whatever it was, monster bike you monster, guys built up, monster bike, and uh, yeah, yeah we, had a,
3: we had also like we had also like a seven ten in one year, so uh, crazy bikes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember so, those days. Crazy. David Pearson wanted the
0: biggest engine yeah. possible.
3: Yeah, yeah, the big guy needed a big engine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very cool. Well, uh, I'm excited to get some insight from you about what happens, you know, to these bikes after the guys are done just flogging them every day out there during the race. Um, can you give us a little well, rundown on what happens when they get back to the pits with their bike?
3: Just on the rest day or normal stage?
0: Both, sure.
3: Both, yeah. Normal stage, you know, we first ask the riders how everything goes, if they need some changes or, you know, setup changes or any issue on the bike. And if nothing happens, uh, we just go for normal service, like oil change, new clutch, and brakes and uh, new wheels every day not anymore the rear because we are limited to six uh, rear wheels rear tires let's say so we have to uh, you know we can change still the the moves in the rear wheel but we have to keep the same tire and it's a little bit of a strategy now in this race because uh, you quite died the second week with the tire because they're quite used already a few of them um, uh, yeah, that's about it, you know, and then refueling calculation for the next day, fuel consumption, and yeah, that's it for a normal stage and um and then for go ahead, yeah, go ahead,
0: yeah, you know you go ahead yeah,
3: then for yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> then for uh for a marathon uh, for the sorry for the rest day, uh actually we check uh the top end today just uh, if everything is okay piston cylinder if there's any stand cam inside on the six stages uh, we are limited to one piston change so we could we can't change uh, another piston after that it's already a 10 minutes penalty so today we checked all the engines and put them back together and uh, yeah that's for the marathon. Uh, for the sorry, I'm always with the marathon because uh, <laughs> tomorrow is marathon stage. Yep. So yeah. uh, that's for the rest day, and also for sure on the suspension, everything gets uh, new new service. And yeah, that's about it. Also for the for the rest day.
0: Looks like the bikes are just completely torn down to the bare frame on this day, um, as the competitors are resting. Or um, is that true? You guys just strip them down to everything.
3: Yeah, pretty much. If you see the bikes yesterday, the fuel tanks are off, and then the engine is out. The shock and fork is out, so there's not much left. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, There's a, a frame with a, a handlebar and a navigation tower. <laughs> so, yeah, crazy. <laughs> not awesome. much
2: left.
1: So, are you guys are you guys rec- running uh, data recording on the bikes? And do you have like, can you kind of look and, and have some insight onto how the engine's running, or is that is that allowed?
3: Yeah, you you can do data recording without GPS signal. Like, there's no uh, GPS speed and location allowed, mm-hmm. but you can uh, do temperatures and lambda and all that. Yeah, it's, we run it on one bike just to 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 check, but okay. yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, I know the Honda guys are That's pretty pretty, uh, pretty into their data, but I think, you know, you guys go more based on experience and kind of your, your testing. Yeah,
3: you can look... You can lose a lot of, of time with status. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. uh, there's so much other things, and uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of time you spend on the computer. And if you do this on testing, I think it's enough.
0: Okay, spend the time in testing doing the data stuff. What about uh, oil analysis or measuring like the oil that's coming out of those bikes, or checking that out to see if there's any clues to you know some potential issues coming up.
3: Um. Well, you check more the magnet if there's anything from the gearbox and uh, mm. you don't do analysis on boil uh, we yeah. don't do that, so yeah. we know it from all the tests what we run through the year and yeah. all of all the all the races we do, so we know what to do on that side
1: got it yeah. So going into into week two, how are the guys looking on uh, their tires? I mean we've you know kind of seen and heard different things, but um, are are you looking better than expected or, or worse than expected?
3: Uh, actually the first day was quite a, a tough one, it was a short stage, but the tires get quite destroyed. So this one we still keep a little bit for maybe the last day. Um, other than that, we run the other ones all two days and yesterday we ran one uh, which was a Sunday stage which is almost like new. We can run it again. And for tomorrow, for the two days marathon, we put a new set on for sure. So now, we have to see that Neom-Neom loop. We know last year was quite uh, uh, hard on, on tires, but let's see. Uh, there could be like one... Action like rocks inside the stage and can destroy the tires, complete cut it or whatever. So yeah. difficult to to say now. We yeah we have some used ones which are still good to use for another stage, but uh, I think most of the guys will have <laughs> quite some destroyed tires for the second week.
0: Are you yeah. uh, replacing mooses in them um, yet, or are you just using fresh tire, fresh moose whenever they're? No,
3: I'll be replace them. Okay, okay, each day then. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you? Mean? So you're
1: no when for you reuse the. For the, the for sorry, when you reuse the tire, when you're, we reuse you're the tire, we yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, gotcha. we do a new we do a new move. Yeah, okay.
1: very good. Yeah. So today tomorrow is the uh, marathon stage. So does that mean uh, does that mean rest day for you and the guys?
3: Uh, not really I think the stage tomorrow for us the assistance road is like 800k we will have for the truck like 12 hour drive wow uh, I think there's no rest at all Jeez. yeah so they yeah. decided
1: to put a nice long transfer for you guys
3: yeah and, and exactly. no, no, beer, no, no beer in Saudi Arabia no that's completely bullshit <laughs> <laughs> awesome but we, ha- we have to take it like it is so <laughs> that's the rules yeah, so, yeah.
0: Play by the rules. Hey, I got a question on. Uh, if you can tell, if you didn't know whose bike was whose, can you tell by looking at how worn out the bikes are? Who's riding it? And if you can, like, who's who's beaten down the bikes? The yeah, most. who's
3: who's the,
1: who's the hardest on the bike? Yeah, that's what well, we want to know.
3: Wow, not easy to say. They are not really bad on the bikes. Like Sam is really hard on the rear brake. You can see that the mm. disc are bent because of overheating, but. Either than that, they are not really bad on the bikes. Wow! They yeah. are all quite, quite the same. Nobody's really hard like crazy to change parts every day. No, Yeah, That's it's good. not happen, these Guys. They are all looking, looking for their for their bikes a little bit.
1: Wow! <laughs> nice, yeah, and riding crazy, crazy fast. Yeah. Jeez. So one, one yeah, last Yeah, the, the,
3: sp- the speed is quite high. <laughs> yeah. I have to say.
1: Unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, one last thing before yeah, we the let level you go. Yeah,
3: the level is high.
1: Yeah, is uh, we heard a rumor that maybe they were gonna allow some the motorhomes to go to the marathon bivouac. Do you uh, do you know anything about that?
3: Yeah, we just get this information like one hour ago, and we are like just yeah, we are not agreeing on that. It's just bullshit, but they allow us to go there with the motorhome because of this uh, stadium where they are is quite small and it's too many people in the same place. So for the corona, you know, for this COVID distancing, you know, the protocol they will allow to sleep either in their own tent or the motorhomes. So now it looks like everybody will bring the motorhomes there.
1: Ah, geez. Yeah, that's... uh... Do you think that was maybe one team petitioning to make that happen, or so is like that a government official <laughs> organizers did?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, some carpool a car team was pushing for that. Oh, car what we hear, okay. But I don't know who was it. But I think there was some. Is some rumors around? Yeah, yeah. So, but it's true we will send motorhomes there, which is we don't really agree. But if one is doing it, uh, you know, what do you do? Right. Yeah. To follow them.
1: Yeah, that's uh, you know that's tough for yeah. some of the guys that are maybe you know in still in contention, but you know the guys that don't have motorhome, then they're they're out. You know, <laughs>
0: it's not fair.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, I don't like this at all. So it's uh, yeah, not good. Not yeah. good for me.
1: Very good. Well, we really appreciate you getting on the phone with us and and taking your time. I know you're busy. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, hopefully we can we can talk to you uh, maybe after the race or something and kind of catch up, yeah. or, or yeah. maybe for a sure. for a beer in in Meden-Koven.
3: Yeah, when you when you come next time, give me a call. We drink a beer, big one. <laughs> yeah,
0: all right. You're gonna Sounds need good. a big beer after yeah. this race. Good. That's for sure. Thank you very much. Yeah. Once again, sure. that's, yeah. that's yeah.
3: Very welcome. Thanks, okay. Stefan. Cool. Cheers. Thank
0: Cheers. You. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Very cool to hear from stefan huber the technical manager that's his title for the red bull ktm factory rally racing team he's in charge of seven bikes so that includes all the support bikes underneath him that are basically under that factory banner um obviously the three guys on the main team that's a lot of stuff to to work around yeah and pretty cool these
1: guys are—they've always really impressed me. Their their work ethic and how hard the the Austrians go at it in the rally team. Um, yeah, much much different strategy than than maybe the the Japanese use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Austrians do so much work during the year that they already kind of know what they're what they're up against. They know the engines. They're they've proven the reliability and. So they're a lot less on the uh, data and scientific side of things, and they're more on experienced.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: Where maybe the Japanese rely a little more on data, you know, recording, oil analysis, things like that. So it's it's interesting, two different strategies.
0: Yep. You got the uh, Rocky Balboa camp out there, you know, working out in the barn, and then you got the Russian scientists working out in the computer lab. <laughs> that's my Rocky reference for the day. I love that go. movie. I think that's Rocky Four. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. He chases the chicken. It's
1: been way too long since I, uh,
0: everybody look up Rocky movies. That's what's going on out there in Saudi Arabia. Um, man, to wrap up today's rest day, which is anything but rest for all the writers who are doing all their interviews and all their business and all the teams that are tearing bikes down to nothing and rebuilding them. Um, I really am excited about the second half yeah. of this race and also scared for everybody. Me too. It's going to be you know, intense.
1: I feel like this this show today is eating into our rest day it's, it's <laughs> definitely 10 a.m we we got a little later start today but yeah we're gonna give I a mean, sh- we gotta get this done i, I kind of f- I, f- I feel for the for the riders you know yeah like before you know it it's it's five o'clock on your rest day your rest day is gone
0: yep and they're getting up at three in the morning tomorrow they got a nasty stage in front of them uh cold liaison to a 453k special and then they got to sleep in a motorhome again it sounds like which isn't too hard but they don't get to work on their bike they don't get fresh stuff and they got to do that again the next day
1: yeah and the motorhome thing i think is controversial yeah sounds like somebody's using the uh covid situation to their advantage which no one's ever done in yeah you know and recent the, history here And, and so the car power like politics at dakar are pl- starting to play out
0: and trend of the last 12 months, right?
1: Yeah. Car guys is, his, you
0: know. You know what else is Those
1: car guys are old too. I mean, yeah. Carlos you know Sainz, he's he's getting up there, you know. I'm sure
0: he's racking up stage wins still though. Yeah. There's yep. El Matador. Yeah. Is that his nickname. I think so. Yeah, he's, Nobody's cooler than him. No, he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. You know what else is uh, political and shows that you're a bad dude? Picking the winners of the rally stage.
1: All right. Well, let's see. Uh, maybe I let you go first, Jesse, so you can't try to you're basically into you're my base. vortex here. I don't want you imitating my strategy. Essentially,
0: so. I'm leading out the stage here, and you're going to follow my tracks through the dunes and make up some time. That's what's happening right now.
1: So the, w- the way I see it is I've led the whole first week, and I already have a massive lead. So I'm I've, just controlling the race from the front, and I'm going to let you
0: go out and make mistakes. Exactly. I have been poor at this. Everybody who's following along on Instagram, I'm not doing a good job. I'm barely cracking the podium with these guys, and it's not like they're not trying their hardest. It's just not falling. Chips aren't falling my way. It's, it's unfair. Stage seven, first day of a marathon stage. Here are my picks. I got Nacho winning. Cornejo is going to win. He's okay. ripping.
1: Yeah, you got. You know,
0: not a bad. No, not a bad he's pick. going to win. Okay, it's almost guaranteed. Toby Price is going to get second. Him. Ooh. Toby Price is getting second. Ooh. He's getting second. It's going to happen. Then Kevin, birthday boy, Benavides. It's his birthday today. He's going to get third. That's what's going to happen because okay. on stage eight, Nacho is not as scared to lead. Toby, he knows if Nacho's in front of him, he's going to have a fast okay. stage. Okay, you, you can justify
1: this all day long. That's how it's but...
0: happening. <laughs> Write it down. Nacho. Price, Kevin Benavides, one, two, three. Well, you're you're pretty close, I have to say.
1: That's probably as most as accurate as you've been so far um, in the pre <laughs> pregame here. But uh, I've uh, I'm really close. I've got Kevin Benavides to win. Yep, um, not a
0: very bold pick, I might add. Kind of a boring pick. Hey, Nacho w- sure hasn't won yet this year.
1: Winning. Sometimes the, the boring one is the winner, you know, and, and I'm all about winning. I'm not, I'm not worried about being flashy or exciting. I'm I'm worried about winning. That's obvious. <laughs> so, Benavidez first. Um, yep. Originally, I had Nacho. Until Canebo I made my picks. Second, until Jesse made his picks, and I think he might have just jinxed him.
0: I don't jinx people. I hope. No.
1: Nacho's sake. But uh, I know I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with Nacho for a second, and then I'm going to say we're going to see some we're going to see some moves from Sam Sunderland. You think he's going to start pushing to the front on these stages? I think we're going to see some moves from him, and I think you know yeah.
0: strategy wise he's he's ready. He's due. So, he's got he's got the speed. I think he's just been riding really smart. Yep,
1: I'm going to go for him in third, and I might even I might
0: even pick a a wild card and say that we'll see uh, Ricky Brebeck. In fourth. You're gonna put a wild card for fourth. This is this I like. Yeah. I didn't know I had that option today. Well, I just made that up. So our fantasy league is is evolving here. Oh, what's my wild card pick for fourth? Uh I already forgot who I picked. You picked Ricky Brayback. Yeah. You're gonna forget about Ricky Brayback? That's not cool, dude. I'm gonna pick um I'm gonna pick Skyler for fourth then. Ooh. Battle of the Americans. The desert rats are coming. The Americans are coming. Wildcard picks. All right. Well, happening.
1: There we go. So get on uh, Cycle News Instagram and drop your picks. Throw down your picks. Don't be scared. See, I don't think anybody's beat me so far. So let's see if we can uh, pull that together.
0: Nobody's beaten Quinn. So please get on there and beat him and don't talk about how good he is at anything. I'm sick of hearing that crap. Well, Quinn, thanks for the breakfast burrito today. That really helped me get over the hump here on the rest day. No problem. No problem. Saved my life. Now, uh, if you could just call my wife and explain to her why all of my Saturday morning has been taken up by hanging out with you again, that would be nice.
1: I know that the wives are not super happy with us, but it's all right. We'll be back at it. It's only another week.
0: We're doing a post show with our wives, um, and we're just going to apologize the whole time. So you're going to want to tune into that one after this race is over. love you okay we're good all right everybody see you later uh check in tomorrow first stage of the marathon it's going to be crazy weird stressful i'm going to be freaking out again quinn's not quinn's super cool he's not even worried about it peace later see ya